All right, good morning all. Yes, my cat sleeps on my shirts. Welcome. Welcome all. Uh, another Sunday fun day here at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. You're listening to the podcast, of course, or watching me live. I'm your host with the most uh, teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart, Brother Marty Leeds. Welcome all. Uh, another Sunday. We're doing this uh, every Sunday, as you guys know. Uh, sun Service every Sunday. Uh, 9 o'clock Central Standard Time, <clears throat> and that's where you can, you know, show up, and we'll get a new teaching and preaching, as we like to do. So, lots of stuff to talk about today. I've got a few announcements before we get going, and then we're going to launch into it. Once again, might be a little bit long today, because there's a bunch of things I want to cover. We'll see how far we get into this, but we're going to talk about... Uh, I'll wait on that. We'll, uh, it'll be a surprise. We're going to talk about Paul today, okay? Uh, Paul... And this podcast is now available. Um, Morgan Steve, I think is what his name was. He was he was poking me saying, hey, you, get, you should get the podcast out on a bunch of places. So um, that's what I did. So the podcast is now available on iHeartRadio and FM Player. And I think it's on Pandora now. and I, Or will be on Pandora iTunes soon. It's on Spotify. It's available on Podbean. You can get the entire math, uh, Marty Lee's Mathematical Radio Hour as well as this podcast at GnosticAcademy.org. Mark Leeds Mathematical Radio Hour is the only place that you can get the old podcast. New podcast is going out to the world free. So, uh, yes, that's what's happening. So, uh, good to see everybody this morning. Um, PPOP314 is here. Javier is here. Uh, Chris is here. The Laundromat's here. Quantum Epic. Lucid Monkey. The Rebel Preacher. Bistrad Ben Krupa. Nick Lorenzen, uh, you got your book, didn't you? Awesome. Okay, cool. Thank you all so much. Uh, I had a lot of really great signups lately um, and uh, some donations and things like that. So I want to thank Angela Morris. I want to thank um, Kristen Hanna once again. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank, um, oh, there's a bunch of people that had, uh, signed up, bought books and donations, and I really appreciate that. Uh, lots of things coming up. I've got um, an EP, like four, five, maybe six song EP that I'm working on called Based and Loaded. That should be out at some point this year. Um, I've got a Marty Leeds songbook, which is, includes like, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 of the songs that I've written over the last couple decades. I've got um, this book, which the Peacock's Tales, which I'm uh, updating because I wrote it in like 2014 or whatever. So updating this book and um, re-editing it and graphics and Jennifer's helping edit it and I got it back and I'm just absolutely thrilled with it. I, you know, when you, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to talk too much here, but you know, when you go into like some of your old art and, and work that you've done, you're like, this is going to be cringe, but you know, redoing this book, just unbelievably proud of this. It's, um, it's a great little foray into alchemy, into some of the key main principles of alchemy. And I, and I got it down to about 160 pages and I'm doing the same thing with volumes one, two, and three. Uh, we're going to put those all in one book. I'm going to take out any conjecture, any fluff, any of the, you know, things that basically I examined or explored that ended up not bearing any fruit, getting it out of there and and making it a clean text. And I'm about probably two thirds of the way through that as far as writing it. And um, it's, I'm really excited for it. I'm, I'm so glad I ended up redoing the old books and combining them and updating them and stuff like that because Especially Pi and the English, the English alphabet, the volumes one through three, this new edition is just, it's so fluid. It goes from one thing to the next. It's not, I took out anything that would be, you know, maybe hard to, you know, uh, to uh, process and that sort of stuff. And 
just really happy already with the results. It's, you know, it's like I'm, I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm actually an author. I feel like a writer. So those are all things that are coming up on the Hit Parade. And then also we have, we just got this yesterday. And this is our new Bibles. It's an authorized King James Version of the Bible. And it's got the Celtic Cross on there. And we had it um, personalized there. Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll be selling these along with rosaries. And uh, once again, a little explanation of the rosary right here that we that we made up that my lovely wife helped me uh, make up and so that's got like all the prayers on there um, an explanation of the rosary an explanation of the math of the rosary that sort of thing and then I'm also going to be working on once again this is you know <clears throat> anyway um, also going to be working on a book for the church that has basically the tenets of the church sort of our own little like constitution affidavit of status as well as like attestation of faith all in one little book and I'm not sure when that will be out but sometime this year we're going to work on that so if you do want to become a member of the church that's a little book that you could buy that says hey this is you know so if we ever get in any of these situations anymore where the you know you're at your work and you say well what are you actually a religious person you'd be like yes actually I am and I mean our church even has a textbook and things so um so for those people that want to become a member of the church and have those little goodies the, none of it's necessary to buy at all you know it's just stuff that if you want to support the church and you want these things they're there for you so we took a long time to try to find the right rosaries the right bible um we wanted to find all the right little pieces that sort of fit what we were doing and, and i think we we did well on that so really excited for that um so that's all coming up in the hip parade okay um all right let's get into it Let's get into it. Um, today we're going to be talking about Paul. This is episode 11 of Sunday Services here. Paul, we're going to be reading from Ephesians 3. Um, hopefully get through all of it today. Like I said, this might be a little bit long one again, maybe an hour and a half, something like that. Uh, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. We're going to talk about Paul being a, a prisoner of Christ. About how we're all prisoners of Christ. And that's a good thing. <laughs> we're going to talk about natural law and basically the totality of God's jurisdiction. We're also going to be talking about faith as evidence. We're going to be talking about the monad. We're going to be discussing, hopefully if we get into this anyway, um, we'll be discussing the, the Gnostic teachings and Kabbalistic teachings of Paul and how you basically can't understand, well, what Christ is talking about or Paul is talking about with, once again, without employing Gnosticism. So before we get going, let's do a, a morning prayer. O oh God, enlighten my mind with truth, inflame my heart with love, inspire my will with courage, enrich my life with service, pardon what I have been, sanctify what I am, order what I shall be, and thine shall be the glory and mine, the eternal salvation through Jesus Christ my Lord. Amen. That's a good one, huh? That's a pretty good one. Okay. So, everybody can hear me, right? I'm not on mute. We're good. Okay. What is the cost of the Bibles? Not sure yet. We're basically, it'll be whatever it is plus shipping. So um, I'm not I'm not exactly sure. Um, everything was custom. We had everything custom done, so it would be a little bit more pricey um, than your normal if you just got them you know, from Etsy or something like that. And some of the money, once again, will be adding on to go to the church. So um, yeah, I will figure that out though. So let's do it. Okay, let's talk about Paul. Let's talk about, this is Ephesians 3 we're going to be reading from. So this is basically a sort of a exoteric explanation or just your humdrum, if you will, explanation of what's going on in Ephesians 3. Okay, I'll read this little overview. I'll read probably like half of it and then we'll start digging into it and then hopefully we'll get to the end of it. We'll see, we'll see how this goes. So 
Ephesians 3, what happens? Why did Paul call himself a prisoner? That's what we're going to talk about today, of Jesus Christ. The Jews were the ones who falsely accused him to the Romans and got him arrested. That seems to be what the Jews do in the Bible, right? That's what happened to Christ, is right? Is they, they falsely accused him and then the Romans came and they, and they hung him up and you know the story. But Paul explains elsewhere that he was in prison for preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. So he was put in prison because he was, he was preaching this to the common man, the common people, you and I. So he calls himself a prisoner of Christ. And this is where this term comes from. This is the exoteric explanation of Paul being a prisoner of Christ. He was put into prison in the story because he was teaching, you know, he was teaching the Gentiles. He was teaching the word. He was teaching the truth. Um, God allowed him to be taken prisoner in Rome in the royal palace. And so some of the royals would get saved. And their influence could go out over the Roman roads to the world. So in other words, hey, part of God's plan was to say, hey, you're going to get arrested. You're going to go into jail. And there's going to be something, there's going to be a blessing that comes from that. Okay? And this is a lesson I think that we all need to learn. That sometimes when things don't go your way, or what seems to not go your way, might just be exactly what you need. You can't always get what you want. You get what you need. Oh, yeah. It's something like that. So... Paul is the only Jew in the Bible who began using a Gentile name to reflect how he was sent to the Gentiles. And we'll see this. We'll read this in Ephesians, uh, the first few verses here. So I'm just going to read, um, and I want to mention this really quick. I had a friend, uh, uh, Jessica, who wrote me and said, or uh, messaged me and said, hey, um, and I've heard this before. It's like, hey, Paul, you know, my grandpa said that Paul was a heretic. And, and I've heard this many, many times before, that he was claimed as a heretic. And, um, the only reason I'm not going to go into that today because there's just, that's a whole nother, you know, live stream itself. But the only reason that you would come to the conclusion that Paul is a heretic is if you do not understand Gnosticism. That's it. The reason, the only reason that a literalist or a fundamentalist Christian would ever come to the conclusion that Paul is some, somehow a heretic is because they don't understand how quintessential the Gnostic teaching and Kabbalah is to, is to the Bible. Okay. So let's read from Ephesians 1 through 10 here, and then that'll be about half of it, and then we're going to pick it apart, and let's do it. Ephesians 3, 1. Ephesians 3, 1. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Why is he a prisoner? Why is he a prisoner? If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, we'll talk about a dispensation, what that is. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me, to you word, and this is this idea, Paul was sent to the, the Gentiles, right? Sent to the common man to, to preach this word. It was given to him to give to you word, to us. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote a foreign few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Which in other ages, which in other ages, other time periods, was not made known unto the sons of man unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. It seems like he was given this. It seems like we're dealing with some Kabbalah here. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, 
<laughs> Listen to this line again. Jennifer said that, the, I think that this was referring to me. She said, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints. Like, that's basically, it's a joke, but I'm on I'm on God's totem pole, right? I'm etched on that totem pole, but I'm way down at the bottom. I'm like when the snow melts at the bottom and like the mud gets all and like covers the bottom of the totem pole. That's essentially where I am. Anyway, let's read on. Ephesians 3.8 says this, Unto me, whom am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery from which the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. All right, we're going to stop there, and we're going to start picking this baby apart, okay? So, and then we'll get to, hopefully we'll get to the rest of it. So, it starts out by saying, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, he's a prisoner. We're going to talk about the uh, esoteric nature of him being a prisoner. You've heard of the dispensation. And then it says, how that by revelation he made known unto the mystery. My knowledge in the mystery of Christ. This was given to Paul. Which is given me to you word. And then it goes on to even repeat. It says, hey, where um, I was made of a minister according to the gift. I was given this. It was received. I was given. And then he even says it again. Of the grace of God given unto me. Okay. This is what Kabbalah is. This is what Kabbalah means. Kabbalah means, uh, it's considered Jewish mystic philosophy. But as we know, it's not uh, specifically Jewish. Or if we don't know that, you can learn that at Marty Lee, or at uh, Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. You can pick it up in uh, Lord Jesus Christ. I have 100 pages on the Kabbalah of Christ. Kabbalah means to receive, admit, accept. He received. It's a gift. That's what it means. It's a gift from on high given to you. And this is what Paul's saying. He's like, I, re I had the revelation. I received this. And this knowledge was from God was said, okay, now apparently what he's telling me to do is give it to you guys. And then what did he do? Paul, as a Jew, what did he do? He went to the Gentiles, the people that in the Bible, they said, the, the Jewish law said, no, 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 they don't get this stuff because they're not the special boys. And Paul was like, I totally disagree. God told me otherwise. <laughs> so that's what Kabbalah means, to receive. And that's exactly what happened to good old Pauly Paul here, okay? St. Paul. He also did this. Now, let's listen to this language once again. It's, uh, it's, if you are not familiar with Gnostic, the Gnosticism, go about two, um, two sermons back and we discuss it there. It says, How that by the revelation he made known unto the mystery and my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. 3 and 4, Ephesians uh, 3, 3, 3, 4 there. What is he talking about? He's talking about having a Gnostic revelation on Christ. Gnosis means knowledge of spiritual mysteries. Once again, knowledge of spiritual mysteries. What is more spiritual than the kingdom of heaven? What is, what is Jesus Christ but a great mystery? And we want knowledge of him. That's what we seek. And that's what Jesus Christ specifically said to, says to do. It is given unto you. Given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to others it's not. That's, that's Gnosticism. Given Kabbalah. Unto you to know knowledge. 
the mysteries, spiritual mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. What is, what is, there's nothing more spiritual than the kingdom of heaven. What, what is happening right now with Paul is he's like, Hey guys, I had a Gnostic revelation. I had a direct connection with God and he's telling me, guys, I'm going to give it to everybody because the mystery is for everybody. Okay, And we're going to see, it says, in other ages, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. In other words, the knowledge that, that Paul is sharing in times before, in times you know past, there were ages or pe time periods in which people didn't know this. And guess what? We're in one of them now. And we're going to see what the great knowledge that he was bequeathing to him was. Okay? Now... Prisoner of the prisoner. Paul is a prisoner. Now we see this notion of being a prisoner everywhere, okay, in the Bible. Or not everywhere, but you see a lot of different places, right? Um, I mean, Paul is preaching it in Ephesians 4 1. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Um, 2 Timothy 1 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. Well, my God, isn't God supposed to liberate us? And here they're telling us, no, you're a prisoner of him. And you are. And we're going to find that out. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother. Philemon uh, 1.9. Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such and one as Paul, the aged, and now a prisoner, also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Romans 16.70. My kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who were of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. What does this prisoner mean? What does he mean? He's talking about being a prisoner of the laws of God, as we're going to see. Okay? It says here in Ephesians 3, 2, listen to this. If ye have heard of the dispensation of... So this is Paul saying, let's start again. Ephesians 3, 1. For this cause I, Paul, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you guys, for everybody, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. What does dispensation mean? In this context, dispensation means a system of order, government, or organization of a nation, community, etc. Okay? So, in this context, a dispensation is a system of order, government, or organization of a nation, a community. So, Paul is saying that he's gotten a gift. He, he received a gift from God. Okay, and he is a prisoner of Christ from of this from this gift. It was part of it, right? If and then he's saying, if you have heard of the system of order of government of the grace of God, that's what he's saying. If you have heard of the dispensation, if you have heard of the a system of order or government or organization of a nation of God. So, in other words, what he's saying is the knowledge that's been given to me is of the recognition that God has a system of governance. And as we're going to see, it's the only system of governance that actually works down here. Here being earth. So, so we see that he's a prisoner. So what's, you know, what is the lesson here? You're not free. No one's free. You are a prisoner. Uh, wow, what lovely statement here to have on this Sunday morning, Marty. What a what a just uplifting sermon when I go to that Gnostic Church and Academy. You're all enslaved. No, what what's what's you know what's the esoteric meaning here? God controls everything. Everything. And you, there's nothing you can do to get out of that. <laughs> You're not gonna unshackle yourself from the power and glory of God. 
So you are bound. You're tied to God. And this is what we talk about religion means. You know, people will say, oh, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. There's nothing wrong with being religious. Religion means to relink, rechain, retie, retie, rebind yourself. To what? God Almighty. That's what religion means. So a lot of people will say, you know, um, oh, religion that means uh, to bind and tie. And that's exactly what religions do. Yeah, some of them do. Absolutely, yes. And when they're not understood correctly, yes. But when you understand religion as, as it's supposed to be, right, in, the, in its pure, genuine form, it's basically saying this. You're bound and tied to God. You're a prisoner of God. It's exactly what you are. You're literally in a cage. Now, this isn't a bad thing. As we're going to see, this cage is also raining down. We're shrouded in. We're raining down. We're in a suit. We're walking through, you know, we're, we're, under, we're underwater in an ocean of God's love. So don't, you know, don't, don't fret, don't frown, you know, it's, all, it's okay. But you are a prisoner of God, and it's true. And our cosmology even says it. You're in a cage. <laughs> okay? So, um, and this is all for you flat earthers out there, and it's always for you flat earthers because we're talking truth here, we're speaking truth here, okay? So this is what, you know, you say that there's a firmament, there's an expanse, there's a dome up there. A dome is a round vaulted roof or hemispherical structure covering of a building. Um, it's the root of the word dominion, dominate, um, um, dom dominant, right? So dominion, lordship, sovereign, or supreme authority, God. Dominion, rule, power over what? God. What does Jesus Christ say in the end of Matthew? It says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Everywhere you look. Everywhere you can conceive, north, east, west, south, the length, the breadth, the width, and the height is covered, dominated by the Lord, God Almighty. Okay? So dominant, to rule, dominate, to govern. That's what it means. That's exactly what God is doing right now. And you're here to be like, well, why am I a prisoner of God? Why did he make me a prisoner? All right? And ultimately, you're there to liberate yourself, to get back to God. Um, I forget what verse this is, but th listen, know ye, know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? We're all members of Christ. As we're going to see, there's one body, one church. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And it says here, um, I forget what this is. I think this might be Colossians. Excuse me. I'm not sure. 19 here, it says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which ye have of God, you, you have God, and you, you're not your own. In other words, you don't own anything. You're temporary. You're here. You're put in a flesh vehicle that's going to fritter away in the sands of time, just wash away in the sands of time. And you hear of this temporary existence to experience God. He owns everything. Now, this whole idea of ultimately what this is saying is God power, his authority, his governance governs everything and he is everywhere and everywhere you can see he is the whole thing which ultimately means what? So does that mean God's separate from you? No. It means God is smack right in the middle of you as well. And this is the scintilla, the spark, this light that animates and enlivens the human being. And that light, that scintilla is directly connected to God. Now the terminology in the Bible actually um you know, cements or concretizes this idea, okay? And we can actually find, before we get into the, the terminology, which is Lord and God, 
let's actually talk about the monad, okay? The monad is a classic symbol. It means sacredness, divinity, totality. It's been used by the Egyptians, the Greeks. It's been, you know, the, the, the Dogon used this. I mean, it's all over the world. You can see this symbol. And what is it? It's a point in the center and a circle, and that's it. And how you create this is actually through the compass, okay? So you put, you pierce the page and you circle your compass 360 degrees around, and that's it. Next thing, you know, you got the monad. And the monad is, um, well, it's defined as that, what, that ref, it reflects the order of the world and from which material properties are derived. So this symbol generally, once again, has uh, totality, universality, sacredness, divinity, order, structure, okay? It's talking about logos. And we'll see, we'll show why this monad is directly related to being a prisoner of God, okay? So the monad, it's a, it's a symbol of structure. It's a, it's a symbol of order, okay? And that's exactly what logos is. That's what logos is. It's, a, it's order, okay? God has an order. And this is why you see a lot of these illustrations with God holding a compasses. He's, you know, in, a, in one there, he's like reading from the book of life. Is that, I think that's what he's doing right there. He's reading from the book and he's got the sun disc behind him. And he's, he's got a compass there. I think, I'm pretty sure that one on the top left is uh, William Blake. But um, anyway, there you go. God with the symbol of compasses. What does a compass do? Draws a monad. We just covered last um, last sermon about how the circle, circle and square, compasses and square, is ever known as a symbol of deity. Okay, and so we can see that this monad here, just the circle itself, is a symbol of, of of divinity. Right, the circle being a figure which returns into itself, having therefore neither beginning nor end, has been adopted in the symbology of all countries and times as a symbol sometimes of the universe and sometimes of eternity. It's found in Zoroastrian mysteries, the Celtic mysteries. Um, circle has ever been considered symbolic of the deity, for as a circle appears to have neither beginning nor end. It may be justly considered the type of God without years, without, excuse me, with either without beginning or end. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. God is recognized as a circle, okay? And so when we say God, we're saying, well, Christ is recognized as a circle. I'm the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. You're the same point on that circle. The first is the last, the beginning, the end, the Alpha, the Omega, and it wraps up everything. The circle has totality, universality. Okay? And what ultimately the 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 compass and the compass does and the monad does is talks about the two aspects of God the finite aspect of God, and the infinite, okay? These are just two terms you could use. You could say singularity, wholeness, okay? Microcosm, macrocosm. The point in the center, that singular point, reflects the outer point, the, uh, the outer circle, okay? And that singular point is the consciousness of you. That's you in the center. And and just as just as we experience in our creation, we look around and everything's revolving around us. The sun, the moon, the stars, it's all revolving around us. Okay. And so this is this notion, singular consciousness within, held within the circle, the, the area, the plane that the circle creates, held within that circle. The almighty God is a point, and that singular point of consciousness is you. Okay. 
That is the, as we're going to see, that is the Lord. This is, and the outer is the God. And we'll see that in just a second. And this is what Voltaire, I mean, this has been attributed to like Hermes and I think St. Augustine and Voltaire. Who really knows who said it? But it's a truth of, of all truths, really. And it's God is a circle whose center is everywhere and circumference nowhere. So God is a circle whose center is everywhere and circumference nowhere. In other words, the center God made you and that person over there and that person over there and everybody that's listening to this made you the center of the creation from your perspective because God has centered himself within you. Okay? And this is, so this is what it means. God is a circle whose center is everywhere and circumference nowhere. God has centered himself within you. This is what the terms Lord and God mean in the Bible. So, and we'll talk about this next week, next Sunday when we do Genesis 1-1. Okay, we'll do 1-1 into 1-2, I think is what we're going to do. I was going to do that this week, but I was like, ooh, let's talk about this first. Genesis 1-1 into 1-2, you have God, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then God did this, and then God did that, and then God was, and then God saw it, it was pretty good. And then God created some this, and then God did this, and then he rested. And then finally when he rests, you have this term, Lord God. Okay, let's open it up right now. So, um, you can get your Bible from the Gnostic Church Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and it goes, and um, basically it doesn't until chapter 2, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, not all the host of them. And then on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and blah, 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 blah. And then Genesis 2, 4 finally says, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God so after all of creation, and we'll revisit this, like I said, next Sunday, after all of creation, next thing you know, the Bible introduces the term Lord. Why? In the first whole chapter, it was God, 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 God. God did this, and then God did that. And there's actually, I think, 31 mentions of God in the first chapter, uh, 31 verses. Um, God, God, God saw the light, and God saw the light, and then God called the light day, and then God said this, and then God made the firmament, and then God called the firmament, and then he said, let the waters, and then God called the dry land, and then God did this, and then God did that, and then all of a sudden, two, four, Lord God. Why? Because the Lord, just as you are the Lord of your own manner, you are the Lord of your own body. You're the Lord of your house. The Lord represents the singular point of consciousness within you. And God is the totality of everything that you experience. And the monad, a compass, makes that symbol. Gives you this fundamental theological truth and it's made by the compass simply going bloop and circling around. Okay, so let's watch this clip really quick. And we'll, this is an explanation of Lord God here. In Gnostic or Esoteric Christianity, the Lord represents the singular consciousness of the human being, or the spark or scintilla of God that rests within every single human being. This is the Lord, and God represents the totality or wholeness of the great creator. This singular Lord consciousness and this infinite God consciousness, this separate but unified duality is also found in Hinduism as well, with Brahman, the cosmic God or the totality or universal God, and the singular point of consciousness being called the Atman, or literally what we can view as the God that dwells at man. Um, most people don't know this, and it's not discussed by the rabbis, and it's not discussed by the scholars. But we all know it when we read the Bible that there are usually two names. The use of these two different names was deliberate, has specific meaning, and may be at the basis of the whole system. 
Um, most people think that Abraham discovered the one God. That's the, the throwaway line that we're taught. I don't think that's true. Um, I think that in the world, um, for millennia, people understood um, the forces of nature and worshipped them as a kind of God and a pantheon of gods in the outer world. I think people also had a personal inner experience of meditation, spiritual experience, and they knew about these things. What Abraham discovered is that the internal spiritual experience and the external world are the same thing. It sounds like the fundamental insight of uh, the Hindu tradition, that Atman, the essence within, and Brahman, the, the god of the universe, are one. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. um. So did everybody catch that? So that was Stan Tenen, um, and he was basically saying... Um, he's basically saying that these two terms, we all know it when we read the Bible. We hear these two terms, Lord and God, and it's hardly ever discussed and no one ever really understands what it means. But these two terms are, are, are key to understanding the entire Bible because what it does is understands, you know, what the Lord is. The Lord, once again, especially when we understand that Christ is within, right? He's everywhere. He's within. We say, the Lord thy God. Think about those terms. The Lord, thy God. What is it saying? The Lord, the singular spark, the light that is within you, is your God. It's the extension from the almighty totality, the fullness. And that extension comes down and gives you consciousness. Okay? And as he's saying, most people, this is a fundamental that I've never heard, as you know, as Stan Tenna is even saying there too, most rabbis don't understand this. I've never heard any Christian talk about it. And it's a fundamental to understand the entire thing. Okay, so this Lord, that's within you. That's the singular point. And God is the totality. You are in God's kingdom. There's nowhere where you can go where God ain't. Okay, and this is what we said. This is chapter 2 um, in Genesis here. Uh, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. The seventh day God ended his work and God blessed everything. And then after everything was done, all of a sudden we have the introduction of Lord God. Do you know you're, you're also helping participate in the creation by your actions, by the things you do? You know that, right? So when it says, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, we are part of the we are part of the creation. We can't, we can't separate ourselves from it. Okay. So when we talk about God's laws, there are only God's laws. That's it. Okay. Now what we have in our world, and this really gets to talk about um, God's jurisdiction, how His jurisdiction is everywhere. There is only the jurisdiction of God. God's jurisdiction is total and complete. And this is really the basis of, of natural law. Now, what happens in our world is, and this is what the esoteric meaning of what Paul was saying. Let's go back. Let's go back to what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, look, guys, I'm not free. I am bound and tied to God. I can't, I can't. I can't unshackle myself. I can't release myself because God is everywhere. God is the totality of everything. There is nowhere where God ain't. And the recognition of this is to say the only freedom that you can have in life is to be a prisoner of God. And when you understand that you're a prisoner of God, then somebody else trying to imprison you, 
trying to tell you that you don't have rights, trying to say that, oh, actually, these laws over here is what you have to follow. And those natural laws that give you rights, those, we, we just, we're not going to talk about those. This stuff that we wrote down in parchment here, this is what's true. So Paul was coming along saying, he's saying this. Let's go back. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And this knowledge, this if you've heard of the dispensation, this order and system of governments of the grace of our God is now I know it because God has given this to me and now I'm going to give it to you. To you. I'm going to tell you about God's governance. And this, now I understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And what is the mystery? The God is everywhere in everything. He has imbued himself within every single aspect of our creation and there's nowhere where he ain't. Now what we have in our current world is somebody coming along is this is really like it's the concentric circles of jurisdiction is really what you need to understand here, okay? And so we have this notion here. So the outer is God, you see that. And then that inner, that's you. That's the point in the center, that's you. That's the Lord. That's the Lord, the scintilla, the spark, the animating spirit that resides within you. That's the Lord. And outside is God. And that's the dome of our creation. That's God's manifest, that's God's creation. And he, he made limits where man can't go in a physical body. And you're never going to get out of it. You, you can't release yourself from it. Okay? Once again, we want to be a prisoner of the Lord because then we understand who we're actually, uh, who, are, who we're bound by. You know, who, what, uh, what moralities and things that we have to follow. So in, in our world, we have this thing. And this is just an example, right? I'm just giving you the U.S. here, for instance. You could say... Canada, you could go anywhere really, but it's this notion that, okay, well, there's just jurisdiction and then you're always in this smaller jurisdiction. We're constantly, there's a, there's the circle of God and we're going to try to convince you that that doesn't actually exist in all sorts of ways um, by just lying to you and manipulating language and, and trying to make everybody into atheists and blah, blah, blah. We're going to, we're going to try to get out of your head that that outer circle of God, that doesn't exist. He doesn't have his natural laws of which you are absolutely bound by and there's nothing you can do about it. What's, what you're really bound by is these laws that here in our little concentric circles, right? And then we're going to make another circle and then another circle and another circle and another and we're going to constantly trap you with these lies. That's what they are. So you've got the Lord, Okay. And then you've got, oh, well, there's got, we see we've got our, our local laws. I've got some, you know, local laws that maybe it's like your neighborhood. You've got an HOA or something like that that you have to, you have to abide by and stuff like that. And then outside of that, then we got the city and then that's got its own little jurisdiction there. And then we've got the county and then that's another concentric circle that we're going to wrap around you. You got to follow these things. And then there's the state and then there's the United States and is the United States a, is, are we talking about the landmass of the United States and the Republic of the United States? Are we talking about the corporation of the United States? I don't know. It's very confusing. Th this is all lies. It's all fabrication. It's every single concentric circle that is made around you. Is someone coming along and writing something down and being like, this is how it is. This is what you have to do now. God as we're going to find, actually didn't write his laws down because they don't need to be written down. It's simple, as we're going to find out. God's laws are simple. They are imbued and exist throughout nature. You have to follow them. There's nothing you can say. It was like, oh, well, I'm going to write down in paper and parchment here. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I am not going to follow uh, the, the laws of nature. So when I jump off a cliff... Uh, that's 300 feet big, I'm going to land on my two feet and not break anything because I'm just going to defy the laws of nature. 
It doesn't work that way. So all of this, concentric circle after concentric circle, oh, you're in this jurisdiction, your jurisdiction. What's the truth of the matter? That's the truth of the matter. That you have to follow what? God's laws. And God's laws are way more harsh. And the, if you don't follow them, if you don't follow them, the punishments are way more than you could ever receive here on earth. Anything that any sort of psychopath or despot tries to dole out for you is nowhere near as harsh of a punishment as God can dole out. Okay? Even Christ on the cross. It's like, oh, they put him on a cross and he suffered and things like that. You know what? And guess what happened from all that? Guess what? Well, we all know what happened, right? So our journey is actually to understand this, is to bring back natural law. The only laws that you have to follow are God's laws. And we're going to talk about, and there's only one law. Okay? And at other times in history, people did not know this. Uh, this is from Manly Palmer Hall. The fall of man is the descent from the dot to the circumference. The resurrection or redemption of man is his return from the circumference to the dot. You could say it either way. You know, return for, you're the dot, you're going to return to the circumference. You're the circumference, you're going to return to the dot. It's this idea that you fell and you're going to return back to source. And that's what the monad actually represents. Now, you have a purpose here. And your purpose is to bring that spark back home. Your purpose is to understand the Lord within and reunite it with God. Now, there's math to this. There's, you, you really can't understand many of the stories within the Bible unless you bring this knowledge to bear. Because if you don't understand who the Lord truly is, then what are you reading? Because he's like the main character of the New Testament. Okay? So teleology is this idea that there's an it's an explanation of phenomenon in terms of the purpose they serve rather than the cause. So God making this thing must have had a purpose, must have given you a purpose, must have made earth purposeful, right? So what, what is the purpose of this? Your whole goal, your whole goal is to bring that spark back home. Now, when we understand, this is why I always say, nothing down here is political. If you're talking about politics, no offense, I'm going to curse a little bit here, but you're up shit's creek as I had to learn many years of following politics. Nothing has to do with politics down here. Nothing. Literally nothing. Everything has to do with theology. Because when we look at this jurisdiction, what are they doing? With all of these fabrications, they're saying, oh, you're, you're not in God's law, you're in this law. What are they ultimately doing with all of this stuff? Stripping you away from your purpose here. Paul, as a prisoner of God, wanted, this is what he was telling you. He's like, God gave me a dispensation, a system, an order of governance. Okay? So when we talk about our teleology, what did God build earth for? Well, as we've, as we've been seeing... Our cosmology is the monad. This is what we've been focused on for, I don't know, eight, nine live streams here, uh, sermons here. We've been focused on the star charts, the planisphere. And what is it? So we've understood every single one of these, every single line of Mark as we've you know dissected in Noah's Ark and things like that. And what did we focus on? We focused on a big circle with a point in the heavens. There's a center point. 
And then there's that big circle encapsulating everything. And guess where God is within this whole thing? Guess what God is? You're looking at him. That's God. I mean, as far as we can you know, understand in the material realm anyway, right? This is all of everything is God. We are in the body of Christ. This, our entire experience, is the body of Christ. We live in the body of Christ. There's nowhere we can go. There's nowhere we can go where God ain't. It's the body. For as we have many members in one body, and all mem- members have not the same office. But now, uh, Romans 12, 14, uh, 12, 4, excuse me. 1 Corinthians 12, 20. But now are there are they many members, yet but one body, and that he might reconcile both God into one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. This is the one body of Christ. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Romans 12, uh, 5. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. We're all one. We're all under the canopy, control, domination of, as Christ says, I all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. We are under the dominion of God Almighty. Everywhere we go. So, um, I'll finish here. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Doesn't matter. Would, when we look at our cosmology, does it matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile? Does it matter if you're uh, Hindu there? If Does it matter if you're uh, atheist? It, does, it doesn't matter what your beliefs are. It doesn't matter what kind of stupid nonsense you may have rolling around up in your noggin there. Guess what you are? You're a prisoner of the one body of Christ. I'm, I'm totally happy being a prisoner. I'm totally happy being imprisoned by our Lord. There's one body and one spirit, even as called one hope you're calling. So when we talk about we are in the body of Christ, that is what we mean. The monad tells us we are in the glory of God Almighty everywhere we look, everywhere we step, everywhere we go. The church is not the church, as I like to always say. I'm ripping off Tom Waits here. This is a Tom Waits line. But the church is not down at the corner of 5th and Vermouth. The church is everywhere you walk, everywhere you go. Okay? Even says in Ephesians 1, um, we're reading from Ephesians 3, this is Ephesians 1, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, we're all his children, we are predestined far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. It's above and beyond everything around us, everything we can conceive, everything we can see. And then it goes on to say, and hath put all things under his feet. It's all under the, of the glory of God. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Head, once again, esoterically, where is it talking about in you? Which is his body, the fullness of him that fitteth all in all. Ephesians 1.23 says, let's read it again. Which is his body, 
let's talk about the body of Christ yet again, which is his body. The fullness Circle encapsulates the most amount of space with the least amount of effort. The fullness of his body that fitteth all in all, everybody, everything. Okay? Now it says here, if we remember here, it says, so we got, we understand he's a prisoner of Christ. We want that imprisonment. We seek that to be dominated by God. Because if we don't understand that, we don't understand that we are only bound by natural law. That is the only law that we absolutely have to follow here. Because if we follow those laws, then we are on this, this path of morality, righteousness, virtueness, care, love, compassion. Understanding, when you understand that the Lord is in every single human being, chances are you're going to start treating people a little bit better. I'm working on it. But you get that. Okay, so when we understand that the Lord is within every single human being, you automatically like, oh my God, if I go and try to hurt that person purposefully and not care or whatever, what am I doing? I'm hurting the God within and the God within that person. And why do you think Christianity is saying, love the brother, love thy enemy, love the neighbor like the self? Why? Because it's the fundamental idea that every single human being has a spark of God within them. Every single human being has the Lord. So it says in Ephesians here, it says, so we read this mystery, we understand, ah, it was Kabbalistically received, all this other stuff. It was a revelation, it was a Gnostic revelation, and the revelation was the dispensation, the governance of God, of which I am a prisoner, Paul says. And he's happy about it. He's like, I'm, I love being a prisoner of Christ. Then it says, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. The sons, the light of men, was not known the light, the sons of men. There were other ages and other time periods in which people did not know internally that they were ruled that God himself was within and that his laws rule everything. They didn't know. There were ages and times where that didn't happen. And this is what, um, this is what Amos, uh, in the Old Testament here, Amos 8.11 is talking about. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People were going to be, they needing that nourishment. They were needing it because they were lost. When we don't understand the God within, then we get harangued by this nonsense. Where am I? This nonsense. So there were time periods, oh, wrong one. There were time periods in which people did not understand natural law. Okay? And we're obviously in one of those time periods um, where people don't, you know, they, they just, people think, so, well, I, you know, I live in the United States and I have to follow the laws of the United States. But wait, wait a second. What about God's law, first and foremost? What about that law? What? That's the ages that we live in. And this is understood that, once again, let's go back to our circle. Gnosis, knowledge, comes in cycles. That's what happens down here. Cycles of ignorance, cycles of uh, golden age, dark age. 
cycles of where they're feasting on the word and then there's a famine okay and this is how it works down here okay when people say it's like the end of the world and things like that or this is the end of the world this is nothing more than the end of an age and when end of an age the end of an age comes i think we're in the end of a it seems anyway that we're in the end of a very ignorant age and we're starting to emerge out of that. But we live in an age where this knowledge was not known. But what the Bible is saying is there were times when it was known. There were times when it was not. Paul's saying, hey, I had the revelation and I realized I'm a prisoner of God and I'm going to give it to you, word. Okay, this is this idea that one generation pathes, uh, excuse me, one generation passeth away and another generation cometh but the earth abideth forever. Cycles. This earth is not going anywhere. There isn't an end of the world. There's an end of the world age. There's an end of your world. But guess what? It's an age. And when the end of, the, end of that age comes, it means there's a new age. Which means we're going to go into famine of the word and then we're going to come out of it. Okay? This is what happens down here. Day and night. High tide, low tide. The seasons. It all reflects this going to darkness to light, darkness to light, famine for the word, hungry for the word, famine for the word. Ooh, now we're dining on the word. Golden age, dark ages. That's what happens. Do you know what that is? What you're looking at right there? Natural law. Are you going to deter? Go and make day, night, and night, day for me. Would you do that? Could you switch the high tide and make it to low tide? And actually, let's just do low tide for the next couple days. Let's do that. Oh, let's skip winter this year. Let's try that. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, does it? Why? Because God dictates those things. God commands them. And now all we have to do is look back at our history, and I think we're starting to get a, a nice tasty bite of this knowledge, is that... Uh, you know, this is well. This is just images, um, pictures from the 1893 Chicago World's Fair. A lot of people have seen this stuff now. You look at the Gothic cathedrals, Tartaria. This stuff is all over. Really, we're starting to see with new eyes. Really, and you know, you look at this and you cl you clearly say, well, whatever was happening there, whatever that was in this cycle, in this Gnostic cycle. Let's see, in this cycle of Gnosis of returning to knowledge and going away from it, coming close to source and being kicked away from it. What do you think the fall of man is? We fell from high, we're going to return to high. Right? When we look at the 1893 World Fair, you know, in Chicago, just one, one example of this, and then we look at, you know, uh, downtown Philadelphia. What, what, you tell me what's happening. In the grand natural law, the natural law of the of the seasons of consciousness, of the seasons of us being famished or, or uh, dining on the word. What do you think is happening? You tell me. I think we can all see what's happening. Even look at this old, because this, look at the street. The reason I grabbed this image, uh, this picture, because if you look at those old buildings, they're actually, you know, they're built like brick. You know, I mean, this masonry, that's like, you know, pretty nice buildings actually for their time. And even that has been deteriorated. And now we see the modern construction and it's just, I mean, it's junk, you know? You could see that there was a period where the old architecture was trying to mimic, you know, what was already here. And you can see that in certain, uh, a lot of churches will have that. So, so what is, what, what ultimately is this? It's the perennial philosophy. Understanding natural law is basically just understanding that God dominates everything. 
And any man that comes along and be like, well, you know, blah, 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 this is actually how it is. And I just wrote some stuff down in parchment. And this is how it is. Liars. Completely deluded. Because there is only God's law. Um, and when we look at God's law, we can see God has given you the right. Let's, let's go back to this. God has given you the right to forage for food. God has given you the right to use, use rivers, you know, to, to, you know, whatever for, to get water. God has given us the, you know, all of these things that now these jurisdictional concentric circles are saying you have to license for. God has said, you can freely travel on my earth. And somebody said, no, it's my earth and you need a license. Somebody says, God's like, oh, you know, are you hungry? You can go and fish that river. And then the, one of these jurisdictions, whether it's like state or county or even local, said, no, actually, you can't. We're a God now. <laughs> and really, it's all nonsense. All of it. Now, we'll talk about how we deal with each other, how we're supposed to, how God has commanded that we deal with each other, how it's our covenant with God. We'll talk about that in just a second. But what's coming back is the perennial philosophy. Perennial, perennial wisdom is a perspective and philosophy and spirituality that views all of the world's religions, uh, religious traditions, all the world's religious traditions as sharing a single metaphysical truth or origin from which all esoteric and exoteric knowledge and doctrine has grown. Perennialism has its roots in the Renaissance. So allegedly, one of the things that, once again, if we can trust history at all, one of the things that allegedly sparked the Renaissance was the re-emerging of the perennial philosophy. By the way, we just did a live stream on uh, the Compasses and Square last Sunday. And do you know what was one of the things that allegedly sparked the rebirth of the Renaissance? Squaring the circle. So says there, uh, Marsilio Ficino sought to integrate Hermeticism with Greek and Jewish Christian thought, discerning a Prisca Theologia, which could be found in all ages. So what he's saying is like, oh, we're connecting Hermetic and Jewish and Greek and like the Christian thought here. It's like, and this like, really, what is it though? It all comes from one place. As, as the perennial philosophy tells us, sharing a single metaphysical truth or origin from which all esoteric and exoteric knowledge and doctrine has grown. Where does it come from? Where does it actually come from? That's where it comes from. Truth is Christ. So when we're looking for this single metaphysical truth or origin from which all the esoteric, where does it come from? It comes from God Almighty. And where is He? Everywhere. Is He within you? Are you within that circle? Are you bound to natural law? This is from Joel, Joel Goldsmith. Um, the book is called The Government of Eden, I think is what the book is called. I don't have it. Uh, Amor was the one that actually got me hip to it. Um, and so I just, I caught this passage. I think this says it a lot. It says, now be assured of this. If you hold freedom to be something of a physical nature that can be given to you or taken from you, so will it be unto you in accordance with your faith. <laughs> Boom! Boom! Look at that. Let's read that again. Now be assured of this. If you hold freedom to be something of a physical nature that can be given to you or taken from you, so will it be unto you in accordance with your faith. Great line. But in that moment, when you realize only by the grace of God do we have freedom. 
Only by the grace of God do we have God's government and that this is not at the mercy of man whose breath is in his nostrils. That this cannot be given to us by princes nor taken from us by kings or potentates. Potentates. Only by the realization of the spiritual nature of freedom can we attain and maintain it. Freedom is not a condition of mind or body. Freedom is a condition of the soul. If we do not find our freedom in soul, we will find only limitation and bondage in our experience. If we do not find and seek out that we are bound by God's laws, we will forever be be bound by this nonsense. Freedom cannot be given to a nation or a race of people. Freedom must first be realized in the individual being and then some measure of that freedom can be shared with those who are in need of it. It sounds like Joel Goldsmith is saying exactly what St. Paul said. That Gnostic, that Kabbalist Paul. When he was saying, when he realized it, what did he do? He gave it to me, you word. It's like, oh, freedom must be realized. So Paul realized it. He had the revelation. He had the revealing. It was given to him. And then uh, he realized it was in the individual being, as we'll see, we'll read on. And that, um, and that some measure of the freedom can be shared with those who are in need of it. And so that's what he gave it to me, you word. Okay? What is the actual natural law? It's the golden rule. And it's, and it's, written, as you can see here, it's in Confucianism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Baha'i faith. It's in Islam, Judaism, Jainism, Zoroastrianism, Zoroastrianism, Native spirituality, uh, Unitarianism, Christianity, Sikhism, Taoism. There's a lot of isms. And they all have and share this one thing. And it's called the Golden Rule. I know there's a globe there. I know. It's just a graphic online. Don't hate me. So uh, the Golden Rule, do unto others as you'd have done to you. Okay, it's your basic. It's it's you know it's it's written in a bunch of different ways. Like judge not, lest ye be not judged. Measure unto you what is to be meted. You know um, this this sort of thing. It's you know um, there's different terminologies for the golden rule, but it's basically treat others as you'd want to be treated. And this goes for and this actually works for everything. Land maintenance. Oh well, it's like well you know um, how much land are you going to have? I don't know. Do you have enough land to serve your needs? Okay, if you have more land than serves your needs, then you're taking away land that is somebody else is going to need. So you're doing unto others what you would not do to yourself. Say, oh, well, we're going to use the rivers or the ocean and we're going to go out and, and, and do some fishing. Well, if you overfish personally and you just take nets and you just grab all the fish, then I guess you're not going to leave enough fish for another, other people, right? So are you following the golden rule? No. You know what happened during uh, the coups of the 19s? What was broken? The golden rule. All right. Uh, looks like we're back. I'm going to make sure. Oh, yeah, you're back. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think the connection just lost for some reason. Uh, make sure I'm, before I start chatting here, make sure I'm, you can hear me. Okay, cool. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know what just happened there. Um, I don't know. We'll fix it in post. It just went down for some reason, but um, I guess we'll figure it out. Anyway, as I was saying, so uh, thank you all for joining me on this new chat. Uh, thank you so much. Okay, and we're back. So as I was saying, I even remembered my thought. Amazing. Uh, when I was uh, working at Aloha Vet in Hawaii, I had this boss, uh, Dr. R. May he rest in peace. And 
when, you know, he brought me into the office after a while when I wasn't wearing mask and he's just like, Hey man, you know, uh, you know, you know, what's going on? Why aren't you, why aren't you wearing a mask? And, um, I told him, I was like, you know, mainly because it breaks the golden rule. And I was like passionate about it. I was like, this is something that is at the core of God's law and I'm going to follow it. And what's asked of me, what's demanded of me is to break this rule. And I said, no, I'm not doing it. And he actually respected me for that and, and stood by me for that because I was, you know, I was, uh, I was holding my own. I was like, I was very passionate about it. He could tell that it was at the, that I wasn't just saying this cause I didn't want to wear a mask or something. No, he could tell that it was at the core of who I am and that sort of thing. And so he respected it and he actually stood up for me because I was, cause he said, he's like, that's the one thing that I, that I actually, you know, I really follow is that I try to follow the golden rule. And it's, it's, uh, it's golden. It's incorruptible is what gold is, is a reference to because, uh, gold isn't, you know, is considered incorruptible. Okay. So yeah, glad I left Hawaii in 88. It's totally changed. It has totally, is the video glitchy for y'all? Yeah, it's glitchy, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? I don't know what's going on. I'm having issues right now though. So you know what? I think we're going to have to cancel this because I think it's about to go down again. So, um, you know what? I, th yeah, shoot. It is what it is. Maybe I'll, uh, finish this live stream with the, the uh, the next week or something like that. But, um, yeah, it's way, way glitchy. So I think that's going to do it. I think I'm just going to say goodbye to you guys today. I think we covered enough. I just want to say this quick thing. Here's uh, Luke 11. We talk about natural law there's always people that are trying to convince you and try to get you to understand that there is a, there is a natural law and this is one of the thing luke 11 it says lawyers are confounding the law woe unto you lawyers for you have taken away the key of knowledge ye entered not in yourselves ye didn't go in and find the lord and them that were entering in ye hindered you prevented people from going within Luke uh, eleven fifty four says, laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him, trying to accuse Jesus of basically saying, oh, look, he was, he's trying to break the law. And Jesus is like, no, I'm actually just following God's law. So, all right, guys, that's going to do it for me. No more glitching. That's no good. Um, I'll try to get this figured out for next week. Uh, maybe we'll cover the rest of this because there's a lot to cover there. So I apologize. This kind of went downhill. It happens though, but it was, it was a good hour. Hopefully you, you, you caught something in there. So and like I said, maybe we'll just finish Ephesians uh, next week. We'll see. So um, that's going to do it. Guys, if you get a chance, go on over to stop. Stop on over to Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. And that's Amor. And he's going to have a new teaching for you. Uh, it's already uploaded this Sunday. So so go take, uh, go take a gander at that. All right, that's going to do it for me. May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. Grace under fire, even when you have technical difficulties. You got to try to have some grace. So we, we do what we can here out in the shticks in, in uh, northern Wisconsin. So, all right, guys, that's going to do it for me. If you get a chance, stop on over to GnosticAcademy.org and sign up. Become a member. Five bucks a month, 14 quarterly, or 54 for the year is the tithing. And that's going to do it. Okay, guys, have a wonderful Sunday, and I will see you next. As always, many blessings and much love to all.